Greetings and salutations to our fine podcast audience. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. How's everybody today? I'm just like I was on the previous podcast. Because <laughs> we're recording at the same time. Ed just blew it. <laughs> he blew our cover, I mean, man. Exactly we, like I was. We had a conversation at one point of, will we tell people we filmed these early? And Ed goes, I don't know why we'd ever bring it up. <laughs> and it's the first thing he said. <laughs> I just think you don't even need to mention it. Why would you say anything about Gosh, it? Ed. You all know that once something's in my head, I can't really contain <laughs> Apparently. it. We know that. Yes, oh, we there do. There we go. All right. So uh, here we are. We have crossed over into the new year. I was wondering, had have you did you guys make any New Year's resolutions? And if so, how's that going for you? I did not make any resolutions mm. this year. I am still working on last year's. Mm. I'm the exact. I was going to say the same thing. I have some thing. things that I put in place last year that I actually did gain ground on, mm -hmm. but I don't feel like I should let them go yet. Yes. Yeah. I well, if they're going to be true habits, that's wouldn't right. you want them not that's let right. them go? So. I'm always starting random new habits. <laughs> and so my wife gets annoyed whenever I come home and say, you know what, we're doing this now. She very famously one time, she likes to bring it up a lot. I came into the kitchen and I just said, you know, I've been thinking lately I'm going to, and she just interrupted me and goes, are we starting to make our own shoes now? Because oh. every time, every time it's some kind of new random thing Nathan, I've decided. Nathan the cobbler. That's what I said. I said, maybe I can start sewing my own pants, you know. Oh, uh, so, but one thing, one thing I, I am interested in uh, trying this year is uh, I want to learn Spanish. Uh, yeah. One of my daughters is of Latin American uh, heritage, and she's really wanting to connect to that culture now and that part of her life. And so, I agreed with her that we would try and learn Spanish together. I had, so. That For was you. one of mine one last year. So I have been doing Spanish, and I, I use a particular app that you know, like all good apps, has streaks in it. So. Uh, we're, you know, yeah. wanting yeah. to keep every day going learning. I'm on a 95-day streak right there now. There you go. Well, good. And I will say, <clears throat> excuse me, for this, uh, the whole habits thing, building habits, we talked about this last January, January 2020, when we did the series Best Year Ever. Yeah, exactly. For 2020. <laughs> uh, that you whole kind of jokes for that you can yeah. hold on to. But um, to, to go back to that, we talked about some of the things that actually help us create habits, and I can say for sure that the things that I did apply from that study in that book we, we read, Atomic Habits, are pretty well holding on for me. Me too. Mm -hmm. It me really too. has worked for me. Yeah, me too. That whole thing of <clears throat> making things obvious and making things mm -hmm. easier to do and um, doing them at the same time every day. All of those principles that we learned back in January have held for me. Yeah, so. I would really encourage people to to read that book, yes. even even if you're you're good at you know, even if you're also going to start sewing your own pants and you'd like new habits. You will get better at it if yeah. you read that book. Yeah. I'll say it, it gives language around a lot of stuff that maybe you already do or you you've thought of doing, and it gives you ways. I really do think putting language around things is so helpful because it oh, gives yeah. you ways to be able to categorize it in your brain like you said of like yeah. making it obvious making it repeatable those kind mm -hmm. of things um you know even that thing they talk about of habit stacking of you do yep. this already all the time just add this to the end of it and yep. all of that kind of stuff i so if you need a new year's resolution you don't even know what to do that book's a, a really good yeah one. that habit stacking thing i now have my morning ritual which i already always had a morning ritual my morning ritual has way more steps now because oh. i have continued to add a little bit of stack good. to mm -hmm. it and it's, it's really been helpful. I mean, yeah. super helpful. Awesome. All right. On to the questions. Now, I teased some of these questions last week, which was not last week, Ed. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. A while back. <laughs> so far away in the past. 
Uh, but I did tease these and told you last week that we were going to answer them this week. So we're going we're gonna to get to those two, and I have actually a third one that I've thrown in there. We should um, remind people how they can give us questions because we questions. want more questions. There is a link in the description to this video or podcast, however you're consuming this right now. Yes. You click that link, you send us a question, and it is anonymous. We will never know who you are unless you tell us. So and sometimes do, you can tell us. We guess. We yeah. try. But we don't know who's watching. So, we do I not. mean, you all have all those fake names out on YouTube. Yeah. We can't tell who. That's right. We know a few of our we regulars. Do. We do. Yeah. Know, we they know tell several us. of our loyal listeners. Yes. Yeah. So we're we, super we, fans. Super fans. <laughs> I only know of two of those. Uh, <laughs> and they're super right. fans? They're not just regular fans? They're uh, super fans? I, I like them a lot. <laughs> they're super to you. <laughs> all right. So here we go. Uh, first question came to us, very straightforward, but I think we're going to have to probably do some defining for people on this question. They want to know, is Community Christian Church an evangelical church? Mm-hmm. So, um, in the interest of definition, clarity, clarity that, um, so I, that you all know why we're saying what we say. Yes. Evangelical. That word, it, it gets thrown around a lot. Let's just yeah, and and currently, I would say, uh, I mean, it's been around my whole life. There's been the phrase evangelical. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably I'm gonna guess it's 80 years old. Does it say on this thing you're looking at? It, it doesn't. It's it, well, I mean, it's mid 20th century. Yes, is a mid 20th century creation. I'm gonna say it around the 40s or. 30s, 40s in that area. Uh, the way that it is used. I mean, it is an old word because it's it comes from a Greek word. Sure. It does. Yeah, the evangel, which means gospel. Good news. Uh, yep. The good news. <laughs> but uh, it is currently, in my opinion, most people use it uh, as a political word. Yes. Yeah. It's a, it has a political affiliation. And so if you want to know, are we politically evangelical? No. 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 But that's not what the word means. Yeah. Correct. And according to this site which is the national association of evangelicals they should Um, they should know well or at least they think they know yes um they 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 put some tags on it and uh here are just a couple of them they say these are basically the characteristics of an evangelical would be somebody who believes that uh lives need to be transformed through a born-again experience and a lifelong process of following jesus check i think yeah we 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 are that. that off uh, the expression and the demonstration of the gospel in missionary and social reform efforts. Check. We would check that one. A high regard for and obedience to the Bible as the ultimate authority. Mm. I, by what they mean, yes. I would say yes, but maybe I'd alter the words a little bit. Yeah. Just a little. Now, explain that so that we don't get confused. We do believe the Bible. We believe the Bible <laughs> uh, it contains the word of God. Yes. And that it is uh, inspired mm-hmm. in the originals. Yes. And and to lead us ultimately to the ultimate authority, yes. which is which Jesus. Which is Jesus. Yes. Which is Jesus. The Bible so I, is, I guess the distinction we want to make is is our allegiance is not to a book. We have we do not have allegiance to a book. We have allegiance to a person who where who we, is our ultimate authority. Who is I, our authority. I pledge my life to Jesus, mm-hmm. not right. to the Bible. Yes. Yes. I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, that's, and, I know that feels like splitting hairs to people. It's an important hair for important, me to split. Yeah, I think I, it's, it's an important, important one because 
because one of the biggest criticisms often thrown at Christians is the fact that people have used the Bible yeah. to justify mm-hmm. horrible things because, and we I know we hit on this a lot, but if you just see the Bible as a collection of just truths or things like that, I can take little parts out of context or out of the grand concept mm-hmm. of leading me to Jesus and say, well, then I should do this or I should do that. And those things I'm doing may not look anything well, like Jesus. Well, and when you place your allegiance in the book, um, oftentimes it, that opens the door for the misuse of it. Right. Many times because I and, I, and you've seen this, I've seen this happen my whole life. People will say, well, it's because it's in the Bible and I believe it. Well, the way you just said it. You, you, you said the mm-hmm. words the Bible said, but the way you were using them is not what the Bible meant. Exactly. Right. That was not the intended. And so... Let's filter that through Jesus first right. before we go and just stand on the, the scriptures alone. So, uh, And then the last characteristic of evangelicalism is a stress on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as making possible the redemption of humanity. Yes. Check. Yes. Check. On that one. So, I, I'm going to say we'd make the cut. In that way, yes. But but back to your original comment, Ed, I think it's important to say if, if by that word someone is trying to pigeonhole us into a political uh, party or platform, then no. Either to run toward us as political or to run, run away, away from us political. Yes. We don't fit in those categories. Well, and I would also just he- hesitate. I think, as we just proven, we we agree with those tenets of what it means to be evangelical, but I also just hesitate when anyone says, are you this? Are you mm-hmm. that? Because labels don't often help right. anything other than divide us, and I'm certainly to say I'm a Christian in that I follow Jesus is a label and divides me against someone who doesn't follow Jesus in that distinction. But we know, and this is something that's very big for us as a church these days, and we talk about a lot, is unity among Christians. Mm-hmm. This division would set me apart from non-evangelical Christians, which I don't, which we don't want which to do. I, mm-hmm. do. I am not opposed to those Christians either. Right, yeah. and we believe you it, that then that is a distinction, too, among of this, when we make the splitting hair of Bible and Jesus. When we say Jesus and our understanding of Jesus as, and you mentioned this on the last podcast, the unique Son of God, right, who brought about the reconciliation between people and God through his death on the cross and his resurrection. Anyone who is with me on that, we are family. We're brothers and sisters. We're on the same team no matter what label they have. But there are so many Christians that based on my, and I mean, this is, I know this seems silly, but even based on my translation of the book that I choose, we have to divide. Based on my understanding of certain passages in this book, we have to divide. And so on on the question, if you're just wanting to clarify as far as like those tenets, do we agree with those tenets we just listed? I think that's it. But I would encourage whoever asked this, not to focus too much on the label, especially sure. also in regards to things that we're talking about of the political, political, how was politicalization? Is that, that doesn't sound like a word, but whatever. Politization? <laughs> I don't I, know what that word I is. I like what you said. I feel like I'm we get having it. a stroke here. All right, but yes. But I would also say, it, and if you, whoever asked the question, if they were to walk up to me and ask this question, I, I, I probably wouldn't, you probably wouldn't like my answer because my, I would ask you a question. I would say, well, I need to know what you mean by that. And I, sure. and I find that's important for almost anything regarding are you this or are you that because you never know who, whoever's asking the question exactly what they mean by those yeah. words. And so it's always important. And I, and I, I do this, and this is not, to, this is not a, a tactic. It's not a, a being evasive. 
I just really want to be clear. And so almost any time someone asks me a, a question of that nature, I always come back with, well, I need you to help me understand what you mean. So tell me what those words mean to you. What are you seeking clarity on? That's right. And so and so, what I'm really wanting to do, and I think it's important to do, is start a conversation right. about what what why is this important to you yes. and, and what what are you trying to find out about me and all that kind of stuff because I think that's much more godly, helpful, Jesus-centered kind of conversation. And that's just honoring in any environment. I know we've talked about that before, but that thing, if someone comes to me with a question, especially if it feels like it's a loaded question, yeah, like sure. maybe, I mean, I just mean even it's one that I just don't, because I, I don't even have that as a pastor. I have that as a person. Mm-hmm. People just come to me mm-hmm. and want to know, you know, about certain things in my life that the most honoring thing I can do mm-hmm. is to not assume I know what your That's agenda right. is. That's and right. so I'm going to craft my answer to make sure not only I answer truthfully, but I get it what you do. But the honoring thing is to say, okay, why, why are you asking me that? Or mm-hmm. what do you want to know? Or, mm-hmm. you know, asking for clarity. It's just an honorable way yeah. to communicate. Even like when my wife comes and goes, Hey, why aren't the dishes done? <laughs> you know what I mean? Instead of assuming, well, I know, I know why yeah. she's saying that go, Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Were you wanting me to... You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. asking a question honors her. What do you mean by dishes? <laughs> Define clean. I've had that conversation a lot. What do you well, mean by yeah. clean? Clean because is relative in my house. Those are clean. <laughs> in my book... It depends on what the, the definition... The discussion in my house is, did you put those in the dishwasher? There are two of us in the house. <laughs> if you didn't put it in the dishwasher, then yes, I did. Depends on what you. I de- know what you're about to tell me is I did something wrong. You did it wrong. Just go ahead. And tell That's me the what assumption I- you've made, though. No, uh, it's hundred percent the case. <laughs> depends on what so your far. definition of the word is. Is. <laughs> Oh, okay. We're going to go there now. All right. That's an old political it is. There you go. It's See, really we're going at every joke. Were you alive then? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was a little. very, very young man. Young yeah. man. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, second question. Equally as controversial, I think, sometimes, uh, depending on how it's asked, this person wants to know, is hell real or is it figurative? And they say, I'm specifically asking about the way that it is described in the Bible burning fire, brimstone, and the like. So they want to know, is it is hell real or is it figurative? Now, we sort of talked about this before we hit mm-hmm. record. And, and we the, joked and we, said the answer is yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> so let's unpack that for a minute when we say, yes, it's real, and yes, it's figurative. What do we mean by that? I think it's the difference in the definition because, and this, I know this, once again, sounds like splitting here. It's the difference between the definition of real or literal because, uh, the way that I now uh, hearing the whole question, it sounds like the question is actually is the description of hell in the Bible literal or figurative? But the question was, is it real or figurative? It's possible for something to be real, but not l- the way someone talks about it be literal, right? And yeah. even and I'll just use hell in this thing. I could say when someone says, uh, you know, oh, you went to Alabama, and I said, yes, that place is like hell on earth. I don't literally mean it's like hell on earth, but you've, you've been to but, Alabama. But you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you are correct. Right, no, there's a difference between something. Alabama is a real place, and it's a bad place. <laughs> it's, re- it's real. We love everyone in Alabama. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so I think when you're you asking. You can leave. That's right. Yes. You are not captive. <laughs> we can help you. That's right. Uh, 
But yeah, so I think it's important to understand. And certain things in the Bible are that way. I hear a lot of people say, um, because I believe the Bible has real truth, and there are a lot of, when go back to our conversation just now about the Bible versus Jesus being the ultimate authority, a lot of, oh, I shouldn't say a lot, but there are people who believe the Bible is the ultimate authority that believe because that's the case, everything that's real truth has to be literal truth. Yeah, it has right. to be taken word for word the way it's meant to be. Well, it's possible that someone is describing a real thing, maybe a real event, or just a real truth about God or life, but they're doing so in figurative well, ways. Well, if, if I take, for instance, I want to describe something that really is a real thing uh, as a 61-year-old, I want to explain that to my 4-year-old granddaughter. She does not yet have the language for me to do mm-hmm. anything but to describe it in language that she does have. Mm-hmm. So that when she grows up and she goes, my grandpa said it was like this, and she realizes, one, Either my grandpa didn't know what he was talking about because right. he described it in a way that when I really know what it is, it ain't that. Mm-hmm. Or she, you know, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. She either has to discount me or she has to come to the fuller understanding, oh, he was using figures of right. speech to describe something that I wouldn't have understood if he had used the exact right words right. to describe it. Mm. And it's very possible that a spiritual place uh, or a place that is currently we don't know much about. A state right. of existence. A state of existence that we don't know much about, that the only way for the person who knew what it was like, which mm-hmm. I think is the only person that talks about it, mm-hmm. in Revelation is described, Re- Revelation, but it's Jesus but yeah. That, yeah. That, uh, that is revealing it. Yep. Or when he was on the planet, he's using language for us that may be all he had at his disposable disposal because we wouldn't have understood it. And, and just to bring this point out, Jesus, we know the images that Jesus did use to describe hell was a literal place in oh, Jerusalem. Yeah. yeah, the name he used yeah. was definitely oh, a right. literal garbage dump. That's right, where garbage would smolder and burn forever, forever well, in there. View. And that view. hundreds of years before was a place of child sacrifice yes. and was yes. of despicable kinds of That's evil. Exactly and right. so yes. he's 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 drawing on contexts that they would have had to describe the kind of existence mm. that will exist. That no good Jewish person would ever have wanted to go to Gehenna because or to live in Gehenna, in Gehenna yeah. because it was a terrible place. That it is a God such, forsaken. Place. It was right. a God forsaken place, and so he's letting them know that with language, mm-hmm. whether or not he is describing what the future holds for people who decide to be God, God forsaken, forsaken yes. by their own choice. By their own choice, it. I don't know. Or not. Well, and I think what Jesus is trying to describe is... I doubt it, personally. Okay. You doubt what part? I doubt that, that he was trying to be literal. I, I think it's <laughs> oh, figures of being speech. Yes. I don't know. And what he describes is bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, it's yeah, really sure. bad. Yeah. Uh, but well, I don't it, know that it has to be literal. Well, and I don't understand why... The, and I know a lot of Christians who will sort of shy back from that, what you just said. And, and I don't see the problem with it as much because... As you said, the book of Revelation also uses those images of fire and brimstone and yeah. burning and all of those things. But let's be fair. That is also the same book 
that describes Jesus in ways that nobody takes literally. No. That Jesus is coming with a sword sticking out of his mouth. And blood dripping blood off Blood dripping off a robe. Nobody believes that that's how Jesus is going to look when he returns. And yet... Well, most, we don't have a. Well, okay, sorry. I, yeah, I, I can't say nobody. I'm, I'm unfortunately, I know some that do. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, but you get most my point. People most people who know people. the Bible don't take it that and way. And so I don't. And again, you, you, we could both be wrong. Right. On, on saying that there may be a literal fire, and that that's why Jesus said that. I I find it. A little bit of a stretch because and, of those other things. And don't you think? Because once again, you know, these questions are kind of hard to answer facelessly, yeah. you know, I mean, I, we appreciate you sending the question, but once again, in the, in the, in the aspect of trying to be honoring the question mm-hmm. I would ask someone, which I do regularly when I was teaching students on a week to week basis, this question comes up a lot because especially in, in most youth, I'll say our youth group is actually pretty um, unique. I think at least I should say when I was doing it week to week of how little we talked about hell. Now those other people. <laughs> no, I just mean. No, I'm just kidding. In, in, in how little we talked, because many of the students who came, they, they have lots of questions, particularly about hell mm. and, the, and, and being scared from hell and being running. And so they'd have questions about um, these kind of ideas. And the question I would often ask is, why, why is it important for you to understand what existence in hell is? Because there's one possibility. And I've, I had a student who was honest enough to say, it's kind of like a way in my options kind of yeah. idea like yeah. how bad is bad yeah. like how bad because I really I don't want to do all the things that I feel like God would want for me to do but I don't want that because that's really bad mm-hmm. or is it this fear and I have lots of people this of a God of love in some kind of eternal torment of sure. people that being a hard thing to reconcile and so what I always came to with students was one that Jesus is describing a real reality of existence <laughs> of what life without God forever will be like. That even in this life, even if I don't believe in God, I get glimpses of the beauty of God and the grace of God and just living in, in, in the way the world operates is by grace of God. That there's an existence without all of that because I've chosen that. I've chosen I don't want God. The other side of that is that God is so loving. And that's what I often use with people who have questions about like, eternal torment Mm -hmm. or fire and brimstone, that I believe that the God I see in Jesus is so full of love and so full of grace that he will always do the most loving thing for all people, even if it's hard for me to understand certain things as love. And I think for many of us who want to, as Christian pastors who want to split hairs as far as uh, hell and heaven and who gets in and who doesn't, I think we will be shocked Mm -hmm. by some of the people that I would have assumed that guy was definitely going to hell. And or that guy was definitely going to heaven. Sure, yeah. right. That that God will be oh, God will be more gracious than we can imagine because what mm. life has taught me so far is God has already been more gracious yes. than I could have ever That's imagined. Right. That's right. So it's a real it's a real and I like the way Jason said it state of existence. I don't know if I've used that I, phrase before. But I have tried with people before because I don't like to get caught up in the imagery because there's not much I can do with it. Mm-hmm. I can't. I'm okay. I mean, that may very well be literally what it is. Almost always when a person asks me that, it's because they have some doubts or they, but, you know, you use this example of the student who said, I'm weighing my options. Well, I would say, I've said to people, the one thing I know for sure is God won't be there. That's right. Right. And, and nothing, nothing involved with God. It's been prepared and it's not even, it wasn't made for humans. It was made for 
the devil and those that follow him. So it's a God-forsaken place. I've just said to people, even if you don't want to follow God, you're, you're asking me about what God said means that you believe there is a God. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. you, by your question, believe there is one. And that there are things that God does that you do like, even though you might not want to do everything he says. I've said to people, you should probably take time and list out all the things that God is providing for you mm-hmm. that you like, and then imagine that you don't get those anything. don't exist, oh, not man. because you don't deserve them, but because they are a part of what God does. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so whatever hell is, nothing of God will be there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's good. And I and I think when you just say that, then I don't know how that hits people. I really don't. But I would imagine it does not hit quite like an image of horrible, a, a horrible image that would kind of wake me up to what that really means. Yeah. And, and I think back to what we originally said is when Jesus and the writers of Scripture are using these images, I think that's what they're trying to do is they're just trying to use what was available to them at the time to, and I don't like the word scare, but it's to jolt the person listening into, trust me, this is not what you want. Yeah. What, what you really want is God. Yeah. And, and, and I want you to see that. I, I, I can't make you. I, not even God is going to make no. you. But I, trust me, this is not what you want. Everything in your life that has come to you that you know you nor anyone else created mm-hmm. that is good. Mm-hmm. Um, everything. I mean, the and world. Even when you say every, created, any, that's, you anything know. Anything around you that yeah. you look at and you go, I didn't have anything to do with it, but I love that. I, yeah. love, I love that I get to ride a motorcycle wherever I want to and the wind blowing in my face. Well, that's you didn't God. create the wind. That's right. That's right. You didn't yeah. create the sun. Any of those things you like, every time you have to say, I'm thankful for anything, yeah. you, you, you admit I didn't have anything to do with that. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the importance of when you talk about Jesus using a real place of Gehenna as his thing mm-hmm. and that this is a place where these atrocities and these, these evils of child sacrifice, which I think is so... <laughs> I, my mind can't really even fathom it. No. And I read a lot of like ancient history kind of textbook stuff, and you read about it a lot, but my mind can't fathom because it's not just that's a horror. I mean, that by itself, mm. just the fact that that exists is a horror. But the place that a person's soul and mind has to get to that in this, an entire society would not just say that's okay with us, but that's good mm-hmm. and that's helpful for society, that in and of itself, when you talk about God being rude, God is not involved in any of that. And mm-hmm. that and I think Jesus is pointing to you've seen in this mm-hmm. world where places where God's will is not being done. Yeah. You don't want to be yeah, and no. no one no matter how like they're going to play ACDC in hell and all my friends <laughs> are going to be in hell. None of that. Uh-uh. The the real hell on earth situations are things that for us in America we mostly read about and yeah. we see we see on news occasionally. Uh, and we look at, and you think, what happens to a person that they would do things like that? You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think I that's part of the description of it, it is. is, 
it's not just what's happening to me. It's what's happening within me. Yep. All right. I hope that helped. I'll just say this, and, you know, I don't, and nobody can be here. It, just the whole topic for me, uh, mm-hmm. and this hasn't always been true for me, there's a heaviness to yes. all of that oh, man, that yeah. is sitting on, on the three of us right now. I yeah. can just feel it. I, I almost said the same thing. It, mm-hmm. uh, that whole idea to me, there's a grief that comes over me to oh, even man. have to describe it. Uh, it feels playful somewhat to people, and I think we use it in threatening ways. I don't think any of it was meant to be that kind no. of way. It was just, mm. yeah, this is a heaviness about that topic. True. So we'll move on to another one. <laughs> yeah, I do not want anyone to go there. Oh, Can we gosh. talk about politics again? <laughs> Let's go to something lighter. Let's talk about politics. I don't know. <laughs> Pretty much the same these days. Yeah, yeah you're not, you you're not kidding. No, so, All right, last question, and uh, very straightforward. Um, person asks, what is considered holy ground today? Hmm. I'm assuming, again, I have to assume on a lot of these things, that they're talking about some references in Scripture. Uh, where we or find somebody said something to person, them. Yeah. This is holy ground. This is holy ground. In fact, I was just listening to a, a sermon today from a, one of my favorite preachers, and there was a moment in the sermon where he had someone come up and tell a story, and uh, it was a very heavy, very heartfelt story. And when he walked back up, he said, "Feels like we're on holy ground right now." And I wow. thought, "Huh, that's interesting that he said that in that moment." And I and get I, what he means. I think I know what he means. So I guess I, what this I'm person, just thinking. I almost laughed because. I can remember uh, walking with, uh, and this is going to be so flippant to some people, but these are the words that got said. When I went on the Fenway Park tour, yeah. <laughs> uh, the tour guide said, this is holy ground for people in New England. Yeah. Mm. I go, well, and it was really cool. <laughs> it, was, it was really cool. I will yeah. say that. Yeah. I don't know that it was holy ground, but yeah. not <laughs> certainly not in the way in the Bible meant it. Yes. So, so holy, let's do holy first. Let's do holy. Holy means set apart. Right. Set apart. For a specific for a purpose. For a purpose. Yes. It describes God. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, in, and the Bible, things, in the Bible, when you talk about holy ground, at least the first thing, and maybe there are other cases I, I can't think of, but the first one you think of is Moses when he encounters God in the form <laughs> of the burning bush, True. right? That God says, take off your shoes for this is holy ground. Mm-hmm. And in particular, going back to what you said of it's set apart, what, what he's describing is he's not saying there's something extra special about this dirt. Yeah. He's saying, I've set this place apart. And by taking off his shoes, and we miss this, is in, in Middle Eastern or Near Eastern cultures, right? Even to this day, uh, there's something very intimate about feet. In yeah. fact, I, I don't know. If I, I've heard this correct, but that's one of the deals— I, I don't know why this is in my head, but that was one of the deals in uh, Somalia with like the Black Hawk Down situation that supposedly was one of the things that caused as much anger as it did was the boots, that there's something about showing the bottom of your foot to someone yeah. that's oh, offensive yeah. in that culture and that, 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 might, might, that in a lot of areas that's very offensive. Well, and, I've seen in some uh, footage of uh, when – I think I saw a riot that happened in one of those countries, and they had torn down a statue of a leader that they wanted to overthrow, and they were hitting it with the bottoms of their shoes. Right. Right. And it's a sign of disrespect and contempt. And so what God is saying by saying, take off your shoes, he's actually saying, I want this to be very intimate. That's right. I want, the, I want to have set this place aside for us to be close. And I, I think want, when it's used about God, you know, like I think about the vision Isaiah has where the seraphim say, holy, 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 mm-hmm. uh, is the Lord God of hosts. And what they're just saying with holy, holiness in that 
mean it has the meaning of uh, set apart but distinct that God is right. distinct he is he is none other. like him he is other than anything else there's yes. nothing else like him and so when he says to Moses I have made this place any place God is is holy yes it, it right. is set apart it's special it is is set apart so uh, when people say it's holy ground, they mean that God has shown up, I think, most in a mm-hmm. colloquial kind of way like yeah. your friend was using in a message. Exactly. That that means God has shown up in a unique kind mm-hmm. of way at this place. I I would say there, I, I think one of you guys said this in a message. I don't think it was me, but if it was me, I like it. <laughs> uh, somebody said there are no more holy places. There are only holy people. And that's I right. do believe that's the new covenant. Yes. Yes. That what God has done is said, I no longer dwell in buildings or places. I dwell in people. And I, I think that's what the symbolism of when Jesus was crucified in the temple, uh, the, oh, yeah. the curtain was torn in two because there used to be a most holy place within the temple. And people regarded that as a more sacred place than all the other places. Right. And that symbolism of saying, look, God is, and it was me that said that, by the ah, way. Good job. In a message, it was called God Left the Building. And, and, and when the curtain was torn, God is essentially saying. Oh, that saying, was the series we did last year before we did it last COVID. Year. We were in the middle of it when COVID we were. Yeah, that's right. God has left the building. God does not dwell in places, uh, per se. You don't have to go to a building in order to encounter God. God lives within you through now what Jesus has done. The Holy Spirit resides in us. And that's what Jesus told his disciples. He says, you know, not only will God be with you, he will be in you. Mm-hmm. As soon as I send the, the counselor, he called him the Holy Spirit. So so in that sense, and I was going to make that point, is in that sense, every place now yeah, right, is, that's right. is holy. Well, and that that's part of what God's doing even in the holy ground moment by by taking, you're out here with your sheep, you're not expecting to encounter God because mm-hmm. in every culture, in fact, and you'll see this once again as a, the Bible being a unified story leading to Jesus. It wasn't that at one point God said, I do reside in a building. In fact, they kept saying, That's right. hey, let's make David at one point says, I want to make you a temple. And he's like, dude, what? Hey, no, hey man, I'm, I'm fine. Leave that alone. That's well, right. Even like him dwelling in a tabernacle, because at one point he's, he, his presence is seen by a cloud and it's like this, and then a you know pillar of fire by night that it's these very um, environmental nature. Mm-hmm. He, God's all around us. He's, he's with us all the time. And they go, can we put you in a tent? Yeah. Can we put you in this? Because in their culture, that's where God's resided. God's resided in temples. In that, And they were really, and you see that particularly, again, in the Exodus when it starts, mm-hmm. there's a point where God comes down to the mountain. Yes. And he's going to speak directly to the people, and the people go, oh, no, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. No, we do not want that. Yeah. <laughs> we will stay here. You go up and talk to well, God. Well, and all of those things that you described, Nathan, um, of God's presence – all of those manifestations, if you call them, mm-hmm. they were um, accommodations that God That's was right. making right. for people. Yeah. God never was contained, right. never That's has right. been. He was, and everything that he's done, let's just be honest, everything God has done throughout history in the way that he's revealed himself to us is a condescending mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. Making himself known to us is always a lowering and box essentially boxing himself into a place. I was recently uh, reading, and I cannot remember, an old monk book. And uh, the guy was saying that really, if you really want to get the true picture of who God is, the the description given in the first three chapters is what God had in mind. Right. So there was no 
God literally was with Adam and Eve mm -hmm. every moment. Yeah. There was no... He created a place which was the earth. The earth was the place for God mm -hmm. to meet with man. It was perfectly, and we decided we couldn't handle that. Mm -hmm. we, we, we couldn't handle that. You need to get back to your place. Right. <laughs> you know? Or we decided we want this to be our we place. We want this to be our place. Yeah. You go to your place. Yeah. And everything since then has God been trying to get us back to that place where he walks with us and he's with us every moment, which he is. It's mm -hmm. one of the parts I love that we now say, as we enter into worship, that God is always present with you, but you're not always present for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, and even though, and I, so everything we've said is the theologically, like, correct version of it. I do, I have certain places in my life that I wouldn't call holy ground, but I think there is a benefit practically as human beings that there are places that we set aside for the oh, purpose. Yeah. You know, I know certain people have chairs in their house or things like that, but even, like, I know for a lot of um, Catholics and Anglicans, their buildings themselves, they design. I certainly have been in certain um, cathedrals before, and I am moved by the immenseness of the architecture or the way certain things are painted to, to lead us towards God, that it isn't true that somehow God is more present there than other places. I am more present for him. I am more present yes. with God, and so... If you want to call it holy ground, like God has ordained the church building is more holy than mm. a, being with a person. But there is a benefit, and we talked about this with prayer, there's a benefit to some things not being casual and some things being, I've set this, this um, I, I heard one person uh, 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 talk about Sabbathing, that you take certain times, that the, the way it's described is that it's a cathedral in time that you have found a way to take time and make it holy, that mm -hmm. I am setting it apart for a purpose. And because sometimes we're so casual, like I can, and we talked about this when we talked about prayer, I can talk to God anytime. That means we talk to God really no time or when I'm desperate. That's right. Not having a time set aside or having a place. Uh, there, there is a benefit to that. There is, a, there is a way, like you said, that I become present to God, even though he's always present with me. Mm. All right. That's our questions for today. All right. All so right. the next time you see us actually will be another day. Yes. We're, I'm, we're done recording today. I'm done. <laughs> well, I mean, it'll always be another day for you. I'm, oh, well, I'm sorry for getting into that. It'll be another day for me, too. <laughs> Ed's trying to confuse you. I know. Don't let him do it. me. Yeah. Now I'm confused. So, all right. So, but we'll be back. We got another set of questions that you Yay. guys have asked us. I don't know what they are. I'll just. I'll leave you in Jason suspense. Jason will let us know. You'll Yay. be in suspense. So see you next week. Bye-bye.